This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to episode 224 of the Stacey West podcast. My name is Gary. I'm joined by two people today. First of all, Hi, I'm Ali Smith, and you're listening to the Stacey West podcast. Yes, you are. Ali Smith's not in the studio with me. Uh, in the studio with me today is everybody's favourite Sunday League manager, Chris Lamming. How are we doing? <laughs> Hello, I'm very well, thank you. Good to be back. How are you? I'm very well. Yeah, I hear you had a um, a standout result on Wednesday night. Um, now, I'm going to equate the result you had on Wednesday night to a National League team beating the reserve team of a Premier League uh, a res- Premier League reserve side in a friendly. Is that accurate? I don't think that's far away. Yeah, I think that's pretty, it's pretty good. Yeah, so my little Sunday League team, we had a friendly uh, on the Wong at Horncastle Town Reserves last night. Uh, 2-0 up at half-time with a strong squad out. Dominated the game, some would say. Um, really impressed with us. And then, yeah, we, fe- we finished the game winning 2-1. Um, results don't matter in pre-season. Performances do. But I was... Uh, yeah, I'll be honest, over the moon, we're way ahead of where I'd expect us to be at this stage. So maybe we'll win the league, who knows? So, And um, you did the other <laughs> nights, obviously, we had, a, we had a pool night on uh, Tuesday. We'll not talk about the actual pool because I came close to throwing my cue three or four well, times. Well, I, I did it once as well, that's very <laughs> unlike me. Um, but we had a pool night and I, I seem to recall you cred- potentially crediting the Stacey West uh, podcast and website for a, a small influx of players, or there may be some. Um, some yes, there. yes. Well, we've had we've had a handful of new faces join us this preseason, and a couple have mentioned that they heard about us from your coverage of of little old rugby uh, towards the end of last season. So yeah, much appreciated, and it's uh, it's really good. Very nice to have some new faces. It's brilliant. I feel like who who's that agent? I'm going to show my age now. Eric Hall, who used to be like, oh, everything was monster and he used to smoke the big cigar. I feel like that, a little bit like a fixer. Um, <laughs> but no, it's good to see. It's good to see, isn't it? And look, normally at this point, we do a lot of chit-chat about um, about various bits and bobs, which I'm sure that we could talk all night, um, especially about me being interrupted um, in my sleep pattern the other night by a, a, a video, an errant video 
of a drunk Chris Lamming on the dance floor in sugar cubes on his own um, singing into the the thing. But we'll not go there. We'll not touch on that because we're here to talk Lincoln City, aren't we? Oh, I see. Not going to let me defend myself. No, I I fully respect that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I woke you up in the early hours. I don't get to defend myself. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I, w- I was up anyway. Um, and yeah, it was it was actually good. It, it's good. A, a man comfortable going into arguably Lincoln's shittiest nightclub on his own and not giving a, a shit. I, I, like well, I was, only, I I was only drunk enough in the first place to go in. And I, I didn't go out on my own. I just, uh, my, my friends decided to, to partake in some extracurricular activities that I didn't really fancy. So uh, I went there on my own. Yeah. Had a great Sell time. your friends up the river. I like that. so let's talk about Lincoln City because we have got normally we have a running order and we sit down and we go what can we talk about this week and and actually we've we're stacked out with stuff to talk about it's going to be an hour long we're on the cusp of a new season it's really exciting this is the first podcast of the 2023-24 season effectively because it's previewing the first game the pre-season's done and dusted that actually this week has been a really really good week for Lincoln City and let's start with the most recent positive news Ben House has signed a new deal. Um, so, I mean, he's also had a, a child. That's probably bigger news. Well, he hasn't. Um, his partner has, but that's obviously a bigger news for him. But for us, uh, 24, I believe, 23, 24-year-old striker, 13 goals last season. Um, he was, I believe, out of contract at the end of this year, but I don't know whether we had an option or not. Doesn't matter. He's penned a deal until, and the wording's really crucial to me, at least the summer of 2025. So that suggests to me, that there is potential for an option, whether that's just, I don't know, whether we're just saying he's definitely not, you know, may or may not leave them. Um, but it's, people have been saying it's as big as a new signing. What you, what's your thoughts? Over the moon. I think it's fantastic. I think it, it really sends a message as well that with, you know, we all think he's very saleable. He's clearly going to be wanted by championship clubs. I think he'd, he'd, he'd fit right in there now as a pressing forward. We've discussed that at length before. So if to sign a new deal, Protects the club, yes. Um, I think it also probably gives him a, a bit of an improved deal because let's not forget he'll be on the same contract that he signed when he first signed from Eastleigh, which is going to be very, very different. He had a very different kind of um, role in the squad hierarchy than he does now. So I think it's a deserved kind of hike in that regard. But it also means that it's very unlikely he's going to leave this summer. Um, I just think it's really positive news all around. I also think that that um, the wording is really important, like you mentioned. You expect it's until the end of next season with an, an, a year option. There may well be some clauses with that year. It might be like an automatic extension upon promotion um, or something along those lines. So if we do go up, he signs an extension. If we if we, if we don't, he doesn't. We, we don't know the ins and outs. But I think the wording is very interesting to say that, you know, if, if things go well, then then he could well, well likely be signing actually until 2026, not 2025. It's just brilliant news for the club. See, I find it really interesting because there's always a lot of criticism when a player leaves us. So even when we sold Teo Eden, there was people saying, well, it's short-sighted, he's entering, we need to get him on a new deal. And it's never actually that easy. You can't just go to Regan Paul after six months, you're doing well, sign this new deal, because the players have the power. John Mark Bosman saw to that in 1995. That's never, ever going to change. So actually to get an exciting player to sign a deal when potentially he knows if he had had a decent season and could walk away, and I'm not saying he could or he couldn't, we don't know the details, but he could have walked away at the end of this season. He could have had an agent sitting there going, just do your thing, Ben. And at the end of the season, we'll, we'll be rich. We'll get our signing on, yeah, we'll signing on for him. And I'm not saying millions and millions. We'll split that. We'll be fine. We'll get you into the championship. So actually, I think to get a player who is performing well on a new deal uh, is 
it's it's not clever recruitment. It's kudos to the management team at the club because it isn't easy. Look, we got George Grant on a new deal because we put the championship clause in and he knew he could go if the championship club came in for him. We got Anthony Scully on a new deal at the same time as Michael Appleton. At the time, that was big news. Doesn't happen all that often, players at this level signing new deals when they're as hot property as Ben House. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think I just think it's huge news. I think what's also interesting is it's kind of good forward planning. It's, it's two two points, really. The first one in that credit to the club because Ben's clearly happy here. He wants to sign a new deal. He wants to stay. A lot of players in his situation probably would be quite happy to think there are going to be bigger and better things on the horizon. I'll just bide my time here. But also, let's say best case scenario financially for the football club. Um, he has a brilliant six months, scores 10 goals before Christmas and we're fielding bids in January. If he's out of contract at the end of the season, similar to maybe how Regan Paul was seen this time last year, um, the bids aren't going to, they're not going to be big. They're not going to be life-changing for the club. They're not going to be huge numbers. They'll be 100 grand, 200k max. I think this time last year, because we definitely did feel bids from Regan Paul, but we we felt that with the situation the club was in at that part of the season, Regan was was bigger value to us for the remainder of the season and, and accepting that he'll leave on a free than he would have been if we he had left in January, which struggled to replace him and then maybe been flirting with relegation. I think and it's we different cashed now. In with, we cashed in with Scully, probably yeah, exactly true. the same situation. Yeah, true. And I think that now we signed the deal. If House does get a big... Uh, a big offer in January. Obviously, that, that offer will then be definitely in line with the valuation that we have for him. I think it will be close to a million quid that, that he'd be worth if he, if he does have a great first half of the season. And even if we do lose him, we've still got Tyler Walker in you know there as, as a ready-made first-team player. Hopefully, Freddie Draper continues his good form um, at Walsall. And we've still got two strikers first-team there. I think we've just got a really good, we're in a really good situation now covering all eventualities. If we keep Ben House, great, everyone wins. But even, even if we sell him, everyone still wins. And I just think that's really, that's, that's huge news. We haven't been in, I haven't felt that comfortable about a potential sale and or the reasoning behind a new deal for a long time. No, me either. And I think we'll move on quickly. It wasn't the only new deal that we've announced this week, but the new deal that we announced um, a little bit earlier wasn't for a player of ours. It was a player of Accrington Stanley's. It wasn't Tommy Lee, as people had um, been speculating. It was for Ethan Hamilton. So Ethan Hamilton, six foot two, I believe. Central midfielder, came through the youth ranks at Man United, had loan spells at, uh, and please forgive me if I forget anybody, Rochdale, Southend and Bolton. And then I think he moved to Peterborough United after that when he was released by Manchester United. Um, Then he, he, he was promoted with Peterborough. Then he left Peterborough for Accrington. Interesting stat, Ethan Hamilton has played every year of his career for a club that's either gone up or down. Um, so he played for Rochdale and they went down. He played for Southend and Bolton in the same season. They both went down. He then joined Peterborough and they went up. He played two games for Peterborough the following season and they were relegated out of the championship. To be fair, he moved to Accrington. Then last season he was there with Accrington and they were relegated as well. Um, so he's you know, you know what that shows it just shows that you on the surface, you just can't judge players by things like that on the surface, can you? Because he's, he's quite clearly a quality player for this division. James um, Wilson's been promoted several times out of dev- different divisions, and I don't think he's any great shakes. So, yeah, you can't. I, I you, agree. You, yeah, you can't. So, Ethan Hamilton, central midfielder. I mean, for me, it gives me, it gives, I believe, the strongest central midfield selection that we've had at this football club 
I dare say ever in in terms of my lifetime, I can't remember as ever having three players, potentially four, um, with that bring such strength to the side. Yeah, I think I'll go along with that. He's exactly what we needed. We knew he was in presenter midfielder, um, but he just fits the profile once again. You know, Mark uh, Mark Kennedy mentioned he wanted to add athleticism and size into the team. We've got Ali Smith, who's six foot four. We've got um, you're right there. I've got Ethan Hamels. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Gary's just tried to have a drink. Everybody, he spilled it all down himself, and I couldn't. I'm not professional enough not to. Not to not to just carry on. <laughs> the top one on properly. I had it, I did a run earlier, right? I did a run earlier on the treadmill. And I obviously haven't fixed the top properly and it's just run all down me. Sorry. Um carry on. I'll leave uh, that yeah, in. So it, yeah, definitely leave that in. Uh, yeah, so Ethan Hamilton just fits the profile. He's definitely added some physicality, some athleticism, and some size to the to our midfield, as well as some quality on the ball. He's a good footballer. Um what it I think it gives us as well as squad depth is it gives us tactical flexibility we touched on our on our live on the youtube show that we launched at the weekend about the, the potential um formations that we can play i think we've kind of all all three of us that are on that agreed that our our plan a is going to be a the, the three four three that we kind of a, a kind of akin to and he can play in either of those roles he could play the holding if he needs to he could play that slightly more kind of box to box playing next to ethan Irahan. Or he can play as one of a two, one of two eights in a three-five-two with Ben House and um, Tyler Walker up top potentially. I just think he gives us really, really good tactical flexibility, uh, and we can be a little bit of kind of horses for courses. I think I still think three-four-three is going to be our plan A, but the combination of signing Tyler Walker, who's a first-team quality striker, Ethan Hamilton, Ali Smith, and um, Ethan Irahan all as quite clearly um, first-team quality central midfielders. I just think we've got really good depth and we've got really good tactical flexibility there. And it's just a, it's just a, it just, it just fits in really nicely, doesn't it? It's one of those sort of signings where I'm not saying, I don't think I got particularly excited about it. I just thought, yeah, that's just, that's just bang on. That's just perfect. It just fits. I think I'm a slightly different. I'm actually quite excited about it. And I think it's because I've watched him, develop I mean obviously I was writing about the the football league I remember him going to Rochdale and a Rochdale fan who I'm I'm in a group with basically said best loan player we've ever had I remember the first game against Southend and thinking you know this boy's going to do well I seem to think I had a conversation with with Pete about him many many years ago as well so and the fact that he went to Peterborough is the is something that kind of just piques my interest a little bit because Peterborough have a habit of signing very good football players be it free transfers that are released, be it players that they pick up from lower down the divisions. The, you know, they have an eye for a player. And I think what spoils that player is often Peterborough United. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because they take some very good footballers who then flop and fail at the club and then who then go on and do well elsewhere. And I mean, OK, Alex Woodyard's really loose definition of that because obviously he went there, didn't do particularly well. He did at Wimbledon, so he proved he was a good enough player at the level. And I think Ethan Hamilton being at Peterborough, the big surprise to me was the move to Accrington. I could have seen him when when Peterborough went up, drop into a Bolton or somewhere like that. And that that's mm-hmm. kind of the level. I put Ethan Hamilton as a top six League One midfielder. And I put Ethan Aran as a top six League One midfielder. Ali Smith, we haven't seen enough of, but he, it looks very, very promising. I always talk about spines and we haven't just got a spine now. We've got if part of the spine drops away, we don't look weaker. Last season, bear in mind, we started 
with Lass Sorensen and Max Sanders as our holding midfielders. Now, I'm not being critical of Lass as a person. He's been superb. We're going to come on to him in a little bit later. Um, but that was a weak spine. And we had Tom Hopper up front who was injured on and off. We didn't have a spine to the team. Now we started with the season with O'Connor and Arahan and House and where we've added, we've just added more and more quality to that. So actually, if Arahan gets injured, Hamilton and Smith, we're, we haven't seen them play together, but on paper and on previous form, that's a good enough midfield. Even yeah, with It's not a significant downgrade, is it? It's, exactly. It's a, it's a perfectly adequate replacement. Yeah. And, um, and in fact, the only area that we don't have that, in my opinion, at the moment is centre-back because yeah, it worries me that we've got three centre-backs that will play and at the minute, it's do we play Rowan, O'Connor, Jackson or TJ? That's four. As soon as you get one injury on that, you've got no options. If you then get Jade and Brown also carrying a knock or one of the other centre-halves carrying a knock, we've got to be looking at purchasing along the back. And and for me, that's... But then, you know, you've got big players like Hamilton and Arahan. Would you go to a four and stick those two as double sixes in front and, you know... You can do. I, I would be surprised to see Mark Kelly move away from a three after everything we've done in preseason. It was only the, the, the really, really early preseason games that we played a four three three. I think that was just because it's just what we had available. Uh, I only um, meant if we got an injury. I didn't mean as yeah. a as a tactical choice. But the point you're making is that we don't need to make those adjustments anywhere else on the pitch. No. If we did pick up an injury or a suspension, we haven't got to oh, oh god, we've run out of players in that shape, we have to switch it. It's only at centre back, I think, where there's a potential that that might be required, but let's not Wide forget this. What this? Yeah, good point. But we have we still have options there, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Joven is part of that as well. Um, I fully expect to see a wide forward come in before the window ends. I fully expect to see a centre half come in before the window ends, and, and quite possibly a left wing back on loan, maybe. Yeah. But certainly a centre half and a, and a wide forward to come in. Let's not forget this three three nearly four weeks of the of the window left remaining. And I think compared to a lot of clubs, we're we're pretty finished. Really, we're, we're pretty settled and, and are a long way down the line in terms of what our squad's going to look like for the next four or five months compared to a lot of clubs at this level and I think that's that's a real positive I agree we're not finished just yet but I think you know let's put a positive spin on this like we're in a really we're in really good shape for compared yeah. to where we were this time last year 100% of course it's not all incomings we do have an outgoing and I, mean, I don't think we've, we've talked about this I can't actually remember if we talked about it on the podcast last week or not I'm assuming not um, so Charlie Kendall has gone out on loan. Uh, off the top of my head, is it Dagenham and Redbridge? Dagenham and Redbridge, yeah, so for the season. Dagenham. But he can still play in the EFL trophy. He can. There was an interesting element to this, which I don't think I'd realised. Do you know who Dagenham's manager is? Oh, I do. And I've forgotten. And I also know that... He, oh, go on, you're going to have to put me up my misery. This is ben really Stravens. There you go. Thank you. Was Eastern ben, manager, wasn't he? Wonderful. I was ben just going to say... Ben Strevens was the manager that brought Ben House into Eastleigh. And I, it, uh, it doesn't surprise me. I, you tend to find that people get trusted. And Ben Strevens is a manager who is making a little bit of a name for himself in the National League. I think he's, um, he's, he's obviously was a striker himself, I think with Dagenham and potentially Barnet, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he, he was, was around those parts, wasn't he? He was. Um, I think this is a big move for Charlie. And look, Mark Hone and Rob Makepeace did their their tactical bit on why Charlie Kendall doesn't fit our system. And the truth is he doesn't fit the three, four, three system uh, at all. He fits a two up top, which can kind of, it makes me worry a little bit about his future, but if he goes to Dagenham and Redbridge and scores 15 goals or something like that before Christmas, you know, at least he's a saleable asset. I'm going to yeah. go out on a limb here 
I think Charlie Kendall's a good footballer. I don't think he will ever be um, a first-team player at Lincoln City under Mark Kennedy. And I don't think that's anything personal. I just think it's profile of player. Uh, certainly in this in the system that we're playing now, yeah. I um, I think he's probably down the pecking order a little bit now compared to um, Freddie Draper. I think this time last year, Freddie Draper would be behind Charlie Kendall because Charlie played a few, made a few appearances at this time last season, didn't he? Mm, uh, early in the season. Scored, yeah, good point. Um, I think that's probably swapped somewhat now. Definitely. Um, but it's a big loan for him. I think if he goes to Dagenham and he does have an absolutely fantastic first half of the season, then it's the, then we will recall him. Uh, whether we recall him with a view of getting him in the first team or getting a few quid for him, I think is the is the big discussion, definitely. Um, I, I don't want to... I feel like it sounds really harsh because he could go there, smash it and, and be, be everything we hope for. But I think I agree with you, to be honest. I think I agree with you in regard to just his status at Lincoln City. I think it's a massive loan for him, but part of me thinks he's just, you know, if you stand still, you actually move backwards, don't you? And he's actually moved backwards in the last year, I feel. And there's just other people have over, have caught him up. We've invested. We've got Tyler Walker. We've got Ben House. We've got Freddie Drake. We've got Joven now, who's clearly going to be part of the first team squad for this first half of the season. I think he's probably behind, behind all four of those. And if you're only going to play one up top, there's a long way there before he gets a game. Yeah, and, and let's just touch on Joven a little bit, because... I, th- I find the Joven situation really, really interesting because he went out last season to Brackley, I believe, on loan. Mm-hmm. Barely played two, three games, couldn't get a kick for them. That's in National League North. And came back, was seemingly part of the first team squad. But surely if any, I mean, from from an outsider looking in, and I know we're not outside the football club, but you would think if anybody actually wanted first-team experience and regular games and goals, it would be Joven. I had a conversation with somebody um, at the football club, and won't say who, and they said last season when he came back, Joven had surprised everybody. And, and this summer, it was very much a case of, will we need another striker, a lone striker, but the third striker we carry will probably be Joven. And, you know, he's looking bigger. He's looking stronger. I think Joven is the perfect example of a profile of player fitting uh, fit in the squad rather than the actual player. I don't think Joe Joven or Joven, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, to be honest, but I'm not sure that he's done anything in during his loan spells that have made people sit up and go, there's a hell of a player here. But I think he's the type of player that you, he's a footballer's footballer. They see it around the club rather than what we see. Could be an interesting season for him. Yeah, I think his physical development is something that's really stood out from our perspective, you know, when he came, he came back last season, and we he had those few minutes on the pitch. He's like, Bloody hell, Jovens, he's filled out. He's shoved up. He's now six foot four. He's got, you know, he's definitely got the physical profile to hold his own in League One. Whether he's got the technical ability and tactical understanding, that's the stuff that we haven't had chance to see yet. But Mark Kennedy sees him every day at training, and if you know, if the the coaching team think, you know, what we've got a handful of strikers on our books, we need some that need game time, but we also need to keep one to to be a, a part of the squad. I trust him. But I agree, he's in a really interesting situation. It wouldn't surprise me if he if um if we kept House and Walker and he hasn't had much football in the first half of this season, that we see him go out on loan for the second half. But you never know. He might he'll he'll, he'll probably play all the EFL trophy games. Yeah. He'll he might even play any the, the the League Cup game. Even if we get through the round, he might play the second round. You know, I think there's game time for him in the first half of the season. But second half of the season, of course, those kind of opportunities tend to dry up because the clubs, the Cups tend to obviously 
dry up a little bit as well. So yeah, it's, a, it's an, a situation to keep an eye on, definitely. But I do feel that, sadly for Charlie Kendall, he's probably fallen behind both of our young strikers. He's probably behind both Freddie and behind Joven at this moment in time. Yeah, we all, I think we all wish him well. We all, we all. There's definitely a player there. We've we've all seen it. You know, there's a poacher. He's a goal poacher. He score. He'll score goals at any level. It's just the the other elements to his game. And he's only ever scored a lot of goals the level below where he's gone on loan to. And he didn't get the opportunity really to impress in the National League last season. Hardly had a kick in League Two. So he's back in the National League again. I think this is a big this is a big moment for his career. Really, if he can score 10, 15 goals in the first half of this season and he can be a fixture in their side and play regular football, then he's got every opportunity to, to make a living as a professional footballer. If, you, if he flops at, at Dagenham, then you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be surprised to see him end up back at Eastbourne Borough again this time next year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely a, a big, big loan for Charlie. Um, so he hasn't obviously been given a squad number, but there are squad numbers are out this week. Uh, Joven number twenty-seven. I think he he was last season. Uh, look, squad. We had a little talk off air, and to be honest, squad numbers mean about as much as the fixture list. Probably less than the fixture list. Um, and the talking points we're, we're going to pick up on. So the first talking point that that you and I both picked up on was the lack of number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're in agreement. It doesn't mean anything. Um, I think Tyler Walker. Uh, wore 19 possibly when he was here last time. I might be wrong. I thought he wore 17. I think he was number 19 at Forest. Okay. But either way, 18 and 19, Ben House and Tyler Walker, you know, probably don't want the number nine jersey, probably are happy with the numbers that they've got. I don't, fans will look at it and go, there's going to be another striker sign in. I don't think that's the case. I agree. Yeah, I, I think we're I think we're done for that position yeah. of the pitch. And if we did if we did sign another four like an out and out striker like a number nine, then we're just block we're just blocking you know blocking the players that are, that are already there. So yeah, I, I can't see that at all. I can see us signing another wide forward, but I can't see them being given the number nine shirt. But who knows? And who the, cares? And the other number that we picked up on, of course, was. Lass Sorensen has taken the number two jersey. Now, this I have a lot of time for. (laughs) (laughs) Look, Lass is somebody, as as everybody knows, that we absolutely love on the podcast as a person. Um, We questioned at times, certainly up until the midpoint last season, was he going to find his niche in the team? Was he going to be somebody that, that we could justify you know, carrying in the squad. Some of his performances were, they were always committed, but some of them lacked what we needed for that position. He's found his position. And for me, the number two on his back is, it's the rubber stamp. It's the seal. It's the tattoo. It's the saying, this is what I am. And I think he spoke in an interview as well about how, you know, it's my position now was more or less what he said, not in an arrogant way. And, you know, that's where I play now. Yeah, well, so what, what he said is it's... at times last season, he felt like he was a centre midfielder playing out of position at wing back. Yeah. Whereas no, he just feels like a wing back. He just feels like yeah. that's the position he's, he's played. He feels natural in that position. So, and obviously the number two does does go some way to show that, you know, the club agree. You know, Mark Kennedy says, yeah, that's your position. That's where you're going to play. You're a wing back now. Enjoy. Big shirt to fill from last season. 
Oh God, just like who the hell was number two? Regan Paul, of course he was. Well, yeah. I, do you know what I said it and then thought, was he number two or was he one of these? Had like number twenty three on his back or something like that. I think he was. He was number two. I should have a little. We we, we pay attention to shirt numbers. But yeah, I think Regan nothing. Regan two was Regan Paul. Regan, Regan two. Regan Paul was number two. Obviously, a very different um, profile of player. But yeah, yeah, in terms of their stature in the squad and just sheer ability, big shoes to fill, but or boots should I say? But I, he's got every chance to fill them. I, I've been so impressed with Lasset right wing back as 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 well. Be no surprise to anybody because I think I say it every week. Uh, but I've just I just think he's he's got every attribute that you need to be a, a successful and a really competent wing back at this level. Uh, so I'm excited to see kind of that that commitment really and that joined up thinking. And I'm just going to pick out one other Ocean Gallagher given a squad number. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, and Jay Ben. To be fair, as well, considering yeah, I noticed that because we expected one of a Hui or Ben to go out and loan. Yeah, neither of have yet. And interestingly, in pre-season, the Hui fielding at left wing back quite a lot, yeah. not just right wing back. So you know, both of us have been in an agreement. I think in past weeks about yeah, we probably need to sign cover at left, at left wing back, or do we just see Sean Rowan as the left wing back that's going to fill in? We're kind of forgetting about the fact that Alicia has played there quite a bit in pre-season just because he's not left-footed doesn't mean he can't play that role uh you know you, 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 you the amount of times that certainly further up the pitch you have the players playing on their kind of opposite sides now there's no reason why he can't so yeah to have both of them in there we've got jay ben ahui and Sorensen who can all play right wing back plus tj but i don't think we'll see him there to be honest wing back on the left side we've got Jaden brown you've got sean rowan if needs be but yeah alicia as well um Two other things. First of all, this is uh, this will get everyone thinking. Number nine shirt kept free for Freddie Draper coming back in January after he smashed fifteen goals at uh, Walsall. <laughs> yeah, no, that that would be quality, wouldn't it? You know what? If that is how it transpires and he comes back and he plays and he scores another fifteen for us, yeah, that's that's that'll do. You have the number um, nine shirt, Fred. Wouldn't it be nice finally to have a young striker who was um, lauded as the next big thing who actually made it? Because I think back, and, and I don't know how far back you go, Ollie Ryan, everybody yeah. thought was going to do it and didn't. Gary King, I mean, Gary King oh, even wound God. up at Accrington. So, well, well, for a Gary while. King, I was in the same squad as Gary King, you know. He's still oh, playing. He's, he's, yeah, he's a, um, he's a Skegness town now. Is he? He, was, he, looked, he looked like he had a, a little bit yeah. about him. You know, he's one of those players who, if he was in an academy, uh, a higher if he was in Leeds United's academy or you know a team that was just a bit more footballing because think of the era that he came through it, it was under Keith it was it was and the, the, the type of football that you experienced in League Two he just wasn't that type of player he was a technical but excellent technical player so if he came through the academy at Leeds he'd probably made it as a professional but because he came through at us and he was put into the, kind of the rough and tumble of a League Two it just didn't suit him and but he's yeah someone else was supremely talented scored like he was a top goal scorer every season at every age group be nice if one of them finally, finally Wouldn't nice? stuck in. Wouldn't the side. it be nice? And, and you even look back. Who was the boy that during the conference season? Oh, I know. Connor, yeah. Connor, Connor Robinson, Connor Robinson, and there was um, Alex uh, Simmons. Alex Simmons, Tony Simmons, yeah. his boy as well. Tony Simmons scored in the first game I went to watch. His dad. It'd just be nice because some of those, you know, they were they were decent lads. They picked up the odd goal here or there. Everybody hoped that they were going to press on. I know that Freddie Draper hasn't come through since the age of twelve or anything like that. But he's for still me, come through the youth team. He's, he's still, still come through. Very the much a homegrown player, one hundred percent. Very much. Uh, and the other thing on the squad numbers, just before we um, we move on, no squad number for Mister Adelican. 
Um, zero surprise there, is there? Yeah, it comes as no surprise. I would be incredibly surprised to see him being associated with Lincoln City at all come the end of the transfer window. I don't think we'll be able to sell him or even let him go on a free to any club. I also think it'd be very, very difficult to find a club that's going to... It'll be difficult for him to find a club in League Two because that's where he's going, League Two or National League, let's be honest, who's going to be able to pay him anywhere near the contract he's on here. Um, so it's going to have to be some sort of agreement made, a, a, probably a severance package of some description so he can then have the freedom to go and find another contract elsewhere. Well, I think it had been alluded to that there'd been discussions around that and it was... I don't know the ins and outs, but it sounded to me the way things were worded. I think that um, we were in talks with Hacks about ending his time at Lincoln. And yeah, for me, the best he can hope for is a Colchester United, something like that. And other than that, it's a Bromley, it's a Boreham Wood, something, an ambitious National League side that want to pick a player who was, you know, once a championship player. It pains me a little bit because I actually like Hacks as a person, um, but he's been a huge flop at this football club. Yeah, I think I've always felt every time I've seen him play, there's a player in there. It's just hidden behind layers of layers of something blocking him. I don't know what it is. I, I genuinely want him to be a success somewhere else, but I have to admit, I think it's just best for all parties for him and Lincoln City to part ways, and I think that's quite clearly what's going to happen. It's it's more of a when rather than an if, isn't it? Yeah. And and I think from a from a really brutal point of view, the sooner the better, because it's my understanding he's still one of the biggest earners. And if he's mm-hmm. gone, that frees up some budget. And and the look budget doesn't look to have been a major issue this summer. We've we've clearly had a summer where we've gone, right, we're going to be a little bit more aggressive. We've not been money bags. You know, we've not been spending thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds here, there and everywhere, but even so. Well, um, you know, put it in real terms, if he's on three grand a week, we don't know this, by the way, but yeah, if he's one of our yeah. top, is a, a ton of, one of one of our top earners, and we know that's the, the the kind of the top of our budget. That's 150 grand a year. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a noticeable amount of quid for any football club. You know, getting that off the wage bill it will will free up space for someone else, won't it? Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
so I don't know what we've advertised there. It might be McDonald's. Um, if it is, no doubt you won't want one. Uh, if it's me doing it, it might have been something else. Who knows? Um, one thing that we won't have been advertising is who was the captain at Lincoln City this season. That's the worst segue I've ever done. I don't care. Last season, the eve of the campaign, Tom Hopper was named as the captain of... It, it was a stumbling block, I think, to us then signing a number nine, from what I understand. Um, there'll be no stumbling block this year because the position that we've named, there's three of them. Um, so he won't be blocking <laughs> the way. In natural choice, though, Pordy, Pordy O'Connor, club captain. Yeah, no surprise whatsoever. I think we, we all kind of just thought that was a foregone conclusion, really. But it's, it's nice to have it kind of confirmed, I suppose. Um, what I'd be interested to know is who's the vice captain, because I think we all expected Pordy to be the captain. Who's going to be if he gets a suspension or if he's injured, which, to be honest, is quite rare because he only missed one game all last season. But if he's not available, who would fill in for him? I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Maybe Ethan, maybe Adam Jackson. But uh, I think it's good news. He's, cl he's clearly a leader, isn't he? Yeah, I, I don't think there's such a thing as vice captain these days. Unless you're trying to appease somebody. I mean, if you think back under maybe under Appleton, I seem to remember everyone having a go at it when Brid, because Bridcup was always injured. I seem to remember McGrandall's <laughs> having a go at it, Regan Poole having a go at it. I think Adam Jackson wore the, the armband at some point. Yep. The role of captain on the field is important. Having a club captain, I think, off the field is important. I think beyond that, you know, we've got some leaders. We've, we've clearly got, like you say, Ethan Arahan. Don't underestimate, I think, Ethan Hamilton's leadership qualities. He wouldn't be a vice captain when he comes straight in. I like a captain to be in the middle of defence or the midfield because I think that's where you get, you either see all of the game if you're a centre-half or you're involved in all of the game if you're a midfielder. I'm not a massive fan of a striker being captain. Ben House could probably do it because he does drop back. And that's one of the reasons I thought Tom Hopper was a reasonable pick last season um, because, you know, you're, you're often back. I don't like to see a winger as a captain, not a massive fan of fullback. I know what you're going to say, goalkeepers can do it. But for me, goalkeeper as a captain, absolutely not. Oliver Kahn. He stands on a patch of grass, six yards by however wide the goal is, honestly. And, I've and seen can see the whole game just like a centre-half can. Yeah, and how's he going to influence if it all kicks off up top during a corner? What's he going to do? Run the length <laughs> of the field? I'd say, well, that's just got a flashback. Um, so I, I was captain, obviously, as a keeper for my district football team when I was many, many moons ago. And something broke out in the on a corner. And I remember I pegged it all the way up to the end of the pitch. I better get involved with this. I literally went from one goal right up to the other. By the time I got there, it all calmed down and dispersed. I had to pick it back again. <laughs> <laughs> There's my point. So your point is right. No, you know what? It depends in the club what the role of captain is. Is it a representation and a recognition of what they do behind the scenes, off the pitch? In which case, that can go to any position on the pitch. It doesn't matter because that you want the leaders on the pitch. If you're giving the captain to somebody because you want them to be that leader, you want them to be the manager on the pitch, then I think the position they play on the pitch definitely does matter. And I agree with you. Centre-half or centre midfield is important. But for me, it's more about character. Always has been, always will be. And Paul O'Connor, quite clearly, is the right character. He's a leader and he's also always available, which is consistency. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which he's got over Liam Bridcott. Um, oh, what I would say, if we're talking about characters off the field, you'd have to be looking at Lass Sorensen as well. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good point. But yeah. as a right wing back, again, not not particularly for me. So I've just got this image of you 
um, getting just past the halfway line and realizing it was all dying away. And it'd be like that moment, like where when I was a kid and you used to want to get to the chippy before match of the day, but you can see them closing the door and you get there and the door closes. <laughs> if I'd been you, I would have had to have pretended that I wasn't really up there for getting involved. I was coming up for the corner or something like that. <laughs> the thing is, I got myself into the opposition 18 yard box. I got all the way up there. Did you get a nosebleed? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm not, don't go there very often. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. That was a nice little little trip down memory lane. That was. So, this is the first podcast of the new season. Um, it is a therefore the first time we're going to preview a game. How I know you've made enough notes to fill a full podcast. Yeah, but before we true. come to you, our voices have been boring people now for thirty-seven minutes. Let's listen to the voice of Charlie, who by the way, put together a phenomenal video for you and me to simply turn up and talk on. Um, so if you haven't seen that, please, if you're listening to us now, uh, it's a YouTube only uh, special. It's a pre-season kind of a monthly review show. It's a preview show. We're talking tactics and stuff like that. Very serious, very highbrow, uh, very well received by people. So go to the YouTube channel, check it out, and please do subscribe to us on YouTube uh, so we can get to a thousand subscribers. Because yeah. my was... brother's... My brother's fitness channel, the Fitness Hutch, is at sixteen hundred subscribers. Um, by all means, you know, subscribe to him as well. Um, but it would be nice if I could get somewhere up there. Yeah, absolutely. I, just, I would just like to say it was just really, it was really good fun to record. I loved, I loved it. I was, it was, it was something different, wasn't it? It was really good. And we're going to release one once a month. That's the original plan. Um, so yeah, that'll be like a monthly review and preview um, every, yeah, every month to to talk through the the last handful of games, look through to the next few, and. Yeah, just maybe challenge our opinions a little bit and, yeah, just a bit of a fixture throughout the season on the YouTube channel. We are going to try and do a bit more on the YouTube channel. So if you haven't checked it out yet, please do. Uh, so shall we uh, go over? So Charlie is with Ed from LOVRBWFC, which I think is looks like a lover of Bolton Wanderers FC. Um, but he's with Ed. Uh, let's play him in. I'm Lucas Jensen and you're listening to Stacey West Podcast. Brilliant. Most of the presenters on the Stacey West as well have put you in, if not the top two, then at least the top three in sort of the League One predictions. Um, do you? Obviously, it's really hard when it's your club that's being touted as a title contender to actually admit it yourself, not wanting to jinx it and all of that. But do you genuinely see yourself being able to be in that position come May next year? Yeah, uh, it, I, it kind of feels weird saying that because uh, we've had so many rough years before the last few years we've ever. But and as a Bolton fan, we, we know really not to be optimistic, and we're, we're more pessimistic than anything. But this season feels different. It just feels like we're ready to take that step back to the championship. I don't know if I'm confident enough in saying that we'll finish top two. Uh, I'd love us to finish in the automatic places. I think that's where Ian Everett wants us to be. I think it's the where the majority of the fans want us to be. But I just can't bring myself to say that, oh, we'll run away with the league or we'll finish second comfortably like um, last season, the Plymouth and Ipswich did. I, I can see us definitely being in the playoff places, but I think realistically we need to be more consistent across the full season and all the players need to be playing really well. And I think we need to get more goals in there. And if we can do that, then I, just, I see no reason why I can't finish top four. And maybe if we get a good enough run going, finishing in the top two places. But I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. Well, that's, that's the thing. It's a lot easier to say it from the outside looking in than mm. actually admit it yourself, isn't it? And yeah, um, that's, that's how 
yourselves are going to be thinking. That's how I'm sure a lot of Derby fans are going to be thinking, Portsmouth fans, because those three are very much touted as the three contenders, I think, at the minute. Mm. But you never quite know how the whole season is going to go. So normally at this stage of a preview, I'd then go on to ask about the form. Um, but obviously, first game of the season. So just quickly touching on pre-season, what's your, what's your pre-season form been like? Obviously, I know the results don't necessarily matter too much, mm-hmm. but what have performances been like? Yeah, we, we've had an unbeaten pre-season. I think it started off a little slow. I think our first game we drew against... Oh, no, we had a narrow win against Bamber Ridge, sorry. And then a couple of decent results against non-league teams. And then the last two games have been the most pleasing, really, from a, a performance point of view and from a result point of view. We drew nil-nil with a fairly strong Everton team. Well, the first half team is fairly strong anyway. Um, and we probably should have gone on to win that. I think we're very unlucky not to snatch it the second half. And then Saturday's gone, we beat um, a pretty good West Brom team 4-3 as well. Yeah. So that was very pleasing as well because uh, we'd come from behind twice to level it up and then took the lead twice. So clearly, we can if we can score goals against the team in the league above, uh, it well for the season coming ahead. That's that's really promising then. Is is the fact that you conceded three goals um, kind of a showing that you've got a bit of a leaky defence or is that more just simply the fact it was pre-season it was obviously everything can just be not quite as what you'd expect yeah I think I think there's a bit of both in there in there really um possibly just uh switching plays around um giving people uh, people extra minutes you might not necessarily start the season um in the starting 11 I think it's just you know more than anything just getting minutes in the legs isn't it a pre-season yeah. um it's maybe a little worrying that we're conceding three, but it's the team in the championship and we, we did manage to score one more than them. So that's pretty pleasing. We did keep a clean sheet against Everton. Uh, but I don't put too much into results in pre-season. Um, it's more just getting the minutes in the legs and hopefully, because um, we've kind of proven we've got a fairly decent defensive record in League One, uh, we can carry that on this season. That's, that's like I say, it's, it isn't about the results. Um, and I guess kind of when you look at the, the sort of the, the top level, the headline stats, you know, the fact that you've conceded three can look to some like it is a leaky defence. But realistically, like you've said, pre-season, it really doesn't matter. And the fact that you've still gone out and bested them is is impressive. And let's see, you obviously have got a very strong defensive record in this league and it's this league that you're playing in this season, not the championship. Mm-hmm. Although, obviously, I'm sure you'd uh, wish it was the other way around. Yeah. Um, so kind of moving on to the transfer window then, I'm going to kind of throw it over to you, obviously. I know you've made some some really promising transfers, but if there was one or two that really stand out to you as these players are going to make a massive impact this season, who would those be? Uh, I think the two that stand out to me would probably be Nathan Baxter in goal and mm-hmm. Carlos Mendes Gomez uh, as kind of like a attacking midfielder forward kind of option. Yeah, they came in. Um, obviously, we had James Trafford last season, who kept twenty-two clean sheets in the league, which is a tremendous amount. And he's obviously had an unbelievable summer with England under twenty-ones, uh, yeah. keeping the clean sheet in every single game, uh, especially in that final when he saved the penalty and uh, got on the win, which is great. And then obviously he's moved for fifteen million pounds to Burnley, so it just shows the quality that he has. And I think he's going to have a, a really promising future in the game. Um, so it was a ball to lose him. Obviously, we've not got £15 million and he's not going to want to come back to a League One team. So there's a lot of weight on Baxter's shoulders uh, to try and emulate what Trafford has done in the last 18 months here. 
mm-hmm. and being a Chelsea Academy graduate, uh, having all that championship experience with a couple of loans at Hull, it looks like he's going to be a really promising signing and he looks like he'd, be, he'd pretty much be a really good option to fill those uh, the boots that Trafford's left. Carlos Mendes Gomez really excites me because I think he had a good season at, on loan at Fleetwood last season. He was tremendous away at Markham when they got promoted alongside us uh, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. He got 15 goals in the league that season. Um, I think, just sadly for him, I think Luton progressed uh, quicker than what he probably expected. I think if they'd stayed in the Championship this season, he probably would have yeah. stayed there and got some minutes. But obviously, they're a Premier League team now. It's better for them to cash in um, on a player who's not going to be able to play as much and they probably won't risk in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a tremendous player in League One. And uh, at times last season, we were missing that, uh, that kind of attacking option in midfield, someone who could like link midfield and attack and create chances and really just be a real flair player, run at, run at defenders and, and create lots of chances and score goals. And I think he can be that, uh, the missing link for us this season, definitely. Superb. So Bolton Wanderers away. I'll do a bit first. You know, in terms of fixtures, the only fixture that could be comparable with this in terms of difficulty for the first game of the season would have been Derby County away. Yep, couldn't agree um, more. So it's, it's one of those. It's one of the two most difficult fixtures of the season at the beginning of the season. You might get to Christmas and Bolton have actually been rubbish and have sacked their manager. It's not then one of the most difficult fixtures from a standing start. It is. Lincoln City have got a really good record on the opening day of the season. So we're obviously now I've highlighted that going to lose. You can check this, but I don't think we've lost on the opening day of the season since 2010-11 when we lost 2-1 to Rotherham and Mustafa Carriol scored. I'm 99% sure we haven't lost on the opening day of the season, therefore, uh, for 12 years. We have played the pre-season favourites on the opening day of the season on several occasions. I remember us playing Preston North End in 95-96. They won the league and went up that year. We won 2-1. We played Rotherham United the year that we were first relegated. I believe they went up that season. We won 2-1 that day. Ironically, Paul Warren split my lip that day with a with a football because I kicked a ball away from him and he kicked it back at me quite hard. Um we played Cheltenham Town, I think, the year that they were promoted, possibly on the opening day of the season. I might be wrong about that. Um, I seem to remember us drawing one all and Liam Hearn scoring. But I might be wrong. Um, so we have a habit of playing um, playing big teams on the opening day of the season. And Bolton Wanderers, therefore, in my opinion, actually it's a good time to play them because they don't have the momentum behind them. Yeah, um, as you mentioned, it. I've done quite a bit of, uh, of research into this, and I'm quite scared of Bolton. I have to admit, and I agree. <laughs> I agree that this is absolutely the best time to play them because they're this is the least likely time of the season that they're going to be kind of ready and finished and up to speed. You know, you imagine a few weeks in, they're going to be you know full steam ahead and just they 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 have the op- a potential to, to steamroller um, teams this season. So yeah, you're right. It's the best time to play them because they they might not quite be ready. I have to admit, in terms of all of the um, kind of the research I've done, looking at their preseason, looking at their transfers, looking at their system, they seem pretty ready to be honest. But in terms of if we, we've got to play them at some point, I think getting them out of where, out of the way first game of the season is is definitely the best the best best time to see them to play them. Sorry, but I also think if we get anything from the game. I'll be delighted. I'm not expecting it. 
No, I'm not. I mean, we talked there about their team. You know, they were beaten in the playoffs semi-final last season um, by Barnsley. I thought that game could have gone either way. Yeah, I thought definitely. the winner. I thought the winner of that game actually went would have got would have been promoted. Um, we played them at their place last season. Probably deserved something if I remember correctly. Lost two 0 Was that the Sean Rowan throw in? It was. And yeah, and we penalty? we were well in the game at one 0 down. You know, it could have gone yeah. either way. Then as soon as that second goal went in, it was game over. But it could have swung either way at that moment. And it was the same at our place. That was when uh, we went down. Joe Walsh was that the Joe Walsh sending off, or was it the Adam? Yeah, Jackson? and that's when Dapo Afolian elbowed el- elbowed uh, whoever. Yeah, last um, retrospectively got sent off, and we all hated him. He then went and signed for FC St. Pauli, who is kind of my second team who I like. And now uh, I really like him. I liked him before that, by the way. He was a great (laughs) footballer. Um, So basically, Bolton have lost two key players, which are their lone players. James Trafford was there, who will probably be Burnley's starting goalkeeper in the Premier League next season. Well, they they paid £19 million for him. And so so he was a £19 million goalkeeper in League One. Yep. Connor Bradley, who was outstanding for them last season. I likened their two loans last season to us having Carl Rushworth and Brennan Johnson in the same team at the same time. In terms of, in t- yeah, in terms of how the, the quality that they added to the squad, yeah. definitely. Obviously, different position in terms of um, Brennan Johnson and Connor Bradley. Connor Bradley played right wing back. Um, but in terms of the quality, yeah, he was every, every inch of Premier League player playing in League One. But they've replaced Connor Bradley with a, tar- a reported target of ours in um, Josh Dacus Cogley who was at Tranmere and probably one of the League Two players of the season. Yeah. Um, so they, they they have replaced the players, their loan players, and they've yeah. replaced them with permanent players, which yeah. sounds like, sound like anyone you know. Uh, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes, maybe. Maybe, yeah. So Nathan Baxter in goal, permanent signing. He's had a, he's had a host of loans. Um, that's a little bit like, you know, Alex Palmer signing permanently, finally, for a, for a club in League One. It's was he Chelsea? Sort of yeah, he's Chelsea, but he's had like a million loans in the last God knows how many years. Um in both champ- primarily championship loans, to be honest. Um, but they signed him on a permanent, so that's a perfectly adequate um, replacement for, for James Trafford. He's going to be a, a top league one goalkeeper. And then you mentioned Josh uh, Dacris Cogley, who is, yeah, who is one, probably the best attacking right wing back in League Two from Tranmere. Uh, five assists last season, um, high percentage for dribbles, dribble success rate, and long passes. So, yeah, he's a very, very forward thinking um, attacking. Athletic right wing back, he'll be he'll be a threat at this level definitely. They've also added uh, a certain Dan and Lunderloo permanently, who both you and I agree wrong <laughs> re, re, yeah wrong wrong club wrong time when he signed for us, but definitely has the potential to go on and be very 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 dangerous at this level. You know if you can hone, he's got the physical profile to be to dominate teams at this league. If you could just hone that off the ball stuff and his technical stuff, and certainly playing in a two, which Bolton always play in the front two, you know, it just suits him down to the ground. He, he, I don't think he'll start, and I'll get on to why later, but what is a hell of a threat off the bench. Um, who else have they signed? They've also signed Will Forrester, one of um, Port Vale's top performers, centre-back, young centre-back, um, offers good depth. Paris Magoma, who had a League One loan last season from Brentford speed team. They've signed him. He's a very technical midfielder. Was he, was he MK Dons last season? Yeah, he was, yeah, for the second half of the season, I think. Yeah, because I remember him being a handful in the final minutes when we drew one all with them at our place. Yeah, very he scored or player. created. Yeah. yeah. And also Zach Ashworth from, from West Brom, who's a, a left-sided centre-half or wing-back, who's just going to offer some good squad squad depth. But the, the key so, ones are, they've, yeah, they've just, um, they've, they've added quality and depth to their squad. They've adequately replaced the two key players they've lost. All, every other outgoing isn't really a big loss for them. So they were a good team last season. 
and they're better now. I was going to say, because it's not actually just about who they've signed. It's about the side that they were last season. And what I like about Bottom Wonder, as I've said a couple of times, they're strong. They'll mix it. They've got no problem with the physical side of the game, but they're also very, very good. They play some nice football. Uh, they're incredibly effective. I, I think they're going to be one of the two teams that are so far away at the end of the season that you know, you'll know you be coming into mid-April and you will know who the top two are going to be. It's just a matter of what... Yeah. Which way around will Derby or Bolton finish up as top two, I think, is exactly. the, the main question. If, I mean, this is such a lazy thing to say, but I'll say it anyway. You finish above Bolton this season, you're playing championship football next season. Oh, yeah. Like, but the thing is, it's not lazy because it's, it's correct. Yeah, people say it all the time though about teams, don't they? Like, oh, if you finish above Portsmouth, you'll be in the top six, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, and, and Ian Ever, I don't like at all. But there's no doubting since uh, he's know, gone I in. I don't like him because he's a he's he's annoying because he's he's a Danny Cowley. Yeah, he's exactly what you want in your team. Yeah. You want him your manager, <laughs> Great and it's your manager. player, you know, you know, it just he's a shit house, but he's tactic tactically very tactically astute. He's an excellent manager and I don't like him because he's a, he's, he's a winner and he, he, he's very full of the dark arts off the pitch, just like his teams can be on, on it. And you know what? I think that's that's a difference maybe between a Bolton Wanderers compared to maybe an early, not, not last season's Ipswich, but maybe the first couple of seasons in that, you know, they're good on the ball, but, you know, maybe necessarily aren't can't grind games out when they need to. Those because you're always going to get those games. You can be the best yeah. team by miles, but you're not always going to be on 100 playing 100 percent, 10 out of 10. You can grind games out, slow them down. You know how to get through and wind up the opposition, get someone sent off. You know those dark arts win you games now and then. And yeah, they've got both sides of it, haven't they? They've got excellent quality of the ball, um, but they're also a team of bastards, really, as well. So the positives of playing them at this stage of the season, first of all, when you have got a couple of new players in key positions, um, there is the potential. As we saw with Josh Griffiths, you know, great goalkeeper dropped a clanger on the opening day of the season just through yeah, nerves and that sort of thing. More likely, unfortunately, to happen at the other end of the pitch because it'll be a full <laughs> full stadium. It's not like they're <laughs> going to be at Sinsel Bank. Um, Joe, you know I'm expecting us to lose the um, lose the the, the 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 run, as I call it, um, of, of not being beaten on the opening day mm. of the season. But um, I don't think we'll be embarrassed. I'll get no, into why in, in a bit. I'll do it now. Uh, get on, get I, on to it now, Chris. Tell us okay. why. Well, this will take a while. Um, okay, firstly, well, um, pre-season, because the first thing I thought I'd look at was, you know, clinging on to a little bit of hoping that some teams have a bit of a hangover from losing in the playoffs. Bolton haven't, if, if their pre-season's anything to go by. Uh, beat Bamber Bridge 1-0, beat Curzon Ashton 3-1, drew 1-1 with Chester, beat Bradford 5-2, um, beat Salford 2-1, then played Everton, and I looked at the lineup. It's pretty much Everton's first team. Drew nil nil. Played West Brom most recently. Definitely West Brom's strongest eleven. One four three. They're unbeaten in preseason. They, there, there's no hangover there whatsoever. Um, and also interestingly, in their last two preseason friendlies, they named the same starting eleven. So I think we've got a half decent idea of how they're going to play and how they're going to line up to start with, which gave me a little bit more of a foundation. I think to, to have to kind of predict or at least try and foresee how the game might go. So they always play 3-5-2. They play like a hybrid version of a 3-5-2, but they always play a 3-5-2. So back three of Jack Idell on the left-hand side of the three and Gethin Jones. Interestingly and importantly, both of those players historically have also been fullbacks, not naturally centre-halves. And then they've got big Ricardo Santos playing in the middle of those three. Uh, they've got Randall Williams playing left wing-back, you know, was playing right wing. Uh, for for Exeter, Exeter. 
He's got yeah. a big move to, I think, Hull in the Championship, but he's capable of playing wing-back on either side. And he plays a very, very attacking left wing-back. And they've already mentioned um, Josh Stackers Copley as right wing-back. They've got uh, Adebayejo and Dion Charles. You know all about Dion Charles up top. That's a very strong League One front two. And then an incredibly strong League One midfield three. They've got um, <laughs> Morley, uh, Sheehan and and Dempsey. I think you, you both you and I are admirers of, of Carl Dempsey. Um, and what's interesting in this midfield three is it changes shape in game kind of naturally. So we spoke about on the on the YouTube video that we released at the weekend about our um our potential to play three five two now and then. And sometimes that can look like you've got you know a holding midfielder and two two eights, or you play a two holding midfielders and then a ten in behind the striker without having to change any personnel. In this system, Bolton naturally kind of switch between those two shapes, depending on the the situation of the game. So they can they can cover all areas. So that's they're just a good team. But in terms of the tactical side of things, I think both you and I will agree that we're going to play our regular three four three. That's how we're going to line up, and we know yeah. Bolton are going to play three five two. So what that means is we have a defensive overload. So we we have a spare man out back three compared to their front two, which means. It, our spare man is going to be one of the centre-backs. So I imagine if we're in trouble, you'll see us going home quite a bit towards the back line. Um, but we don't have many options ahead of that in terms of these shakes. We haven't got a spare player. We haven't got an overload anywhere. It's about the, the players moving off the ball. So I can actually see us maybe not being able to play out too much here. I can see us you know, going quite long at times, not necessarily kind of hopelessly, hopefully hitting areas and trying to hit it in certain in, in, in behinds. Um, what I expect us to do, which might sound a bit strange for me saying how difficult it's going to be and how good Bolton are, I think we'll I think we'll press really high. And the reason for this is it's a three v three if we if we press really high, and they have overloads in other areas of the pitch. So I think even though that we often say a high press is like a really front foot and aggressive and attacking mentality, I actually think it's our best defensive mentality because if we don't give them time on the ball in deep position possession and we force them to play it long we're going to ask them to play into our 3v2. And we've got centre midfielders that are six foot plus to be able to win second balls as well. Which is um, what we so, do away at Sunderland. Yeah, so I can see us I can see us playing a bit of a, a very much a counter-attacking game. But I think our best way of stopping them playing uh, and is actually to be really front foot out of possession. I think we'll find it difficult in possession, certainly trying to play through the thirds. Um, what will happen though is if Bolton are able to play out, play out, which inevitably they will at times because they've got good footballers, um, and if they their wing backs then pin our wing backs deep and keep us as a back five, that's when we can get in a, into a bit of trouble. Um, they'll generally then have that will force our wide forwards to then defend wider, isolating Ben House, and what that means is they actually will end up with a three v two in central midfield, and that can be really dangerous. And if we cut that off, then it means one of their outside centre backs will be free and they do maraud both um Idale and Jones do do get themselves forward. Um they're, they're naturally fullbacks, but they're playing at centre half. They're going to find those 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 areas. So the interestingly I think that situation is actually our best opportunity to score. And we touched on this again at the weekend is that Ben House is going to be occupied. But actually Danny Mandruya and Rico Hackett say they're the key, ex- aren't they? exploiting the space at, when one of their outside centre backs does go forward, if we can Block, you know, have some clever defensive position and intercept and, and win the ball back and catch them out of position. Us on the counter attack, playing through Danny Mandroy and Riku Hackett, is going to be key. So my my prediction is we will press high to stop them having deep possession and and to stop them trying to play through the thirds, allow their wing back side to overload us and 
really dominate us. I think we'll have to press high to stop that. Um, and if you allow them to have the ball for a lot of the game, they will just dominate it. But strangely, our best opportunities to score is when they do actually have the possession. Their, their centre-backs come forward and we can exploit on the counter. So one of two things will happen. Um, either they'll kind of weather the storm, they'll be transitional for the first half or so, they'll then get a foothold in the game and they'll score. Or we'll score on a counter-attack from one of those situations. Um, so my prediction is uh, we'll go one up from that situation and then Bolton will have too much for us on the ball and win 2-1. Okay. But, I'll take, but I'll take a point all day long. I mean, but yeah, that's my analysis. Please feel free to pick that apart and criticise everything. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to um, because uh, I, I, I don't really see a, a gap there. I do think that there is going to be an awful lot of pressure, not pressure, an awful lot of reliance on Mandroy and Hackett. 100%. And I think if we're going to get anything from the game, that's where we get it from. And when you think about the games where we sprang that kind of trap almost in, in letting them kind of have the you know, breaking quickly, counter-attacking up the field, it was players like Mandroyu and Hackett um, who were able to get away. It was Las Sorensen who, again, if you know if they've got their rampaging wing-backs, if they find themselves losing possession high up the pitch, you know Lass has got the, the pace and he's got the energy to be able to exploit that. And we've seen that really quick play out from the back against Plymouth, particularly springs to mind. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I just think actually they're going to have quite a bit of possession. I'm not as sure about as pressing as high up the field. Um, I wonder if we might try and... Um, kind of let them have pointless possession. Now, whether that happens as, or, or not is obviously another thing entirely. And also you talked about the overload in midfield. And for me, that reminds me very much of Charlton Athletic um, away last season. Yeah, great where, point. Um, we sat off them a lot. And if I remember correctly, I seem to think it was a Sorensen and Sanders midfield. I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. I think our midfielders today or, or Saturday as it is, I think we'll, we'll probably be able to deal with that a little bit a little bit better. I said that I thought we had one of the best midfields in the division. Obviously, Bolton quite clearly have. Um, <laughs> yeah, you also say have. there's the yeah you say there's the overload as well as three versus two. There is if you're going you know if you're thinking about two centre forwards occupying three defenders. But I also imagine that sometimes our left and right sided centre backs might find themselves occupied a little bit by. Runs from midfield. Um, yeah, so the thing I, is, what they've got off the bench as well, because like I said, that they've got that midfield three that can kind of be a hybrid into those two shapes. If they're not breaking us down, they can bring Carlos Mendes Gomez on to play in behind a striker as a kind of a very much forward-thinking, creative ten. That's quite scary. Um, yeah. So yeah, and to have that off the bench is pretty is pretty uh, yeah pretty threatening. Uh, I don't think we're going to get embarrassed, as I said. Just as quickly on the high press, I think you know I'm not saying that because I think we're going to be ready front foot. I think it's really dangerous if we let them play out and, and to play into midfield and into that, those those dangerous players where they've got extra players. I think if we can press high enough to force them long, it, that's going to give us the best chance of stopping them. And you can't do that for 90 minutes. You've got to pick and choose those situations because uh, we'll, you'll get picked off if you do it for 90 minutes. But have I think we, that's how we'll start. Have we seen Mark Kennedy do that? Because I used the... Um... I use the Chris Maguire example away at Sunderland. So it was something Michael Appleton did, wasn't it? At Sunderland, he, he kind of, he, he forced them to go long. Uh, and, and that's how we, I think, seem to recall we, we picked up the win there. Have we seen an example of that under Mark Kennedy last season? Yeah, I think, our pre- I think our pressing is exemplary, to be honest. You know, high in press doesn't mean just run aimlessly and chase the ball. You're yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, I think we'll put pressure on the centre-halves 
Um, certainly the two outside centre halves. We'll probably let we'll probably let Santos have the ball because he's the least capable with the ball at his feet. So you let him have it. If he hasn't got an, an obvious pass on, um, then then you, he'll go long. And then yeah, I think you want to do that when you've got a three v two at the back. You, you've got the domination there. I think if we're playing against some, a team playing a front three, then you yeah you don't you don't want them to go long because they've got second balls and they've got you know e- even players. I think the fact they play with the front two and the fact that they've got very, very good um, midfielders and they could overload us in there. You've got to try and stop them playing through midfield. And the only way you can do that is by putting enough pressure on them so they they, they knock it up the pitch. Big, like big I said, test. it big won't test. happen every time. Big test for Rico Hackett. Because bear in mind, Danny Mandrew's already played kind of under the, the Mark Kennedy in the Football League. But yeah. Rico Hackett, it's, it's going to be not new to him because he's been with us in pre-season, but we haven't had to play anything like that when you've been up against Boston United or Grimsby Town. So... Could be a, a big game for him. Well, look, we are well over the hour, as we always are when it's um, you and I. Uh, so I don't think we have a great amount else to pick up, do we? No, I think we've had a lot to talk about. We have um, had a but lot the most, to talk about. I think, of course, the most important thing to talk about is football starts again. Proper football starts again on Saturday. Can't wait. You know, we've, uh, we've, 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 we've analysed it to death, I think, there. Or, pre- or kind of previewed it to death, let's be honest. First game of the season's always bring up strange results. Let's hope a strange result is Lincoln City winning at Bolton. And what a fantastic start to the season that would be. Wouldn't it just, without mind, there's only one more thing to say. Oh, oh, or is there? Just a minute. Who's that I hear? I'm Tyler Walker and you're listening to the Stacey West podcast. You were listening to the Stacey West podcast. You were about to finish. Up the imps. Up the imps. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.